Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guests this hour are Joseph DeSalvo and Marie Amadaritz, who are with uh, Quest Capital and Risk Management based in Smithtown, New York. We're going to get a lot of advice on year-end tax tips and how to deal with the current economic situation. Welcome to both of you, Joe and Marie. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, We appreciate you having us back. Let's just get a little bit of background on you. Maybe start with Marie, and then we'll do Joe. Just a little bit of background on each of you. Sure. I've been working in the independent wealth management space about 15 years now. Prior to that, I worked in the commercial lending space, and I love what I do now. We work with people who are over the age of 55 and getting ready to retire and helping people through what is one of the most impactful life transitions really fills my cup. Like I said, I love coming to work every day. I love what I do. Okay, great. And Joe? And for, 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 for myself, I, I've never really done anything formally for a living. I, I obviously worked beforehand, but this was really the first thing I ever did out of college. I, I started out with equitable financial companies back in uh, 1989, selling uh, life insurance. I look back on that, and that training, as basic as it was, really kind of set the stage for where we landed up today. Um, I, I also really enjoy coming to work every day. Uh, I, I think that the work that we do, the work that any good wealth management team does, um, next to your medical services, there's not a more important set of services and advice that a consumer will purchase or invest in. Very good. So let's kind of see where we are. We're December of 2020. It's been quite a year. The stock market's done extremely well, but we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, what are some things the typical investor should be thinking about now to get ready for 2021 based on all the drama we've had in 2020? I I think that's a great question, Jordan. Um, I think that's on a lot of people's mind, especially with markets, you know, making all-time highs. Uh, They seem to make them, give it back a little bit, but they're they're flirting with those all-time highs. I, I I think the first thing that we would always tell people is, you know, think strategically first and foremost. Uh, and when you think strategically, you've got to think about what works, uh, not what we think is going to work, but what works and what ultimately works and what there's a lot of evidence around is coming up with an asset allocation plan, which is nothing more complicated than I'm going to have this much of my money allocated to stock versus this much allocated to bonds. And that ultimately is going to drive results as measured by you know risk in the short term, and that's going to drive results in the intermediate to long term in terms of those returns. Um, people get confused, though. Um, they they really do believe, and and I think the the financial media does a good job of reinforcing this belief because it's in their best interest. But they really do believe that it's important to pick the right stock or the right fund, or it's important to uh, be in the market or out of the market or to overweight a certain sector of the market. And while that stuff is important, when you really look at what drives results ultimately, those two factors, which is where most people spend their time, you know, do very little to contribute to the bottom line. Um, So I think, you know, always start with, the strategic thought process first and foremost and, and, and always 
understand what works, and that's a good place to begin. I think one of the questions we get all the time is, you know, what do you think is going to happen with the market, and is the stock market in particular – you know, still a good place to be. And and obviously, we have no idea what's going to happen with the market tomorrow, next week, or next year. But here's how we frame it for clients. And I think that they find it helpful that we frame it this way for them. We basically say there are three ways in which you can invest your money. I mean, there's thousands of different things you can do with your money. And that's part of the problem for the consumer. It's confusing. So we try to break it down to three basic things. We can invest in cash, bonds, or stock. Well, you know, there's a lot of cash sitting on the sideline, and that's that's that, that's costing people money. Certainly, it's cost people money this year. But when you get right down to it, you're really paying the bank to hold the money for you. So that doesn't seem like a good place to be right now. Um, the second thing you could do with your money is you can invest it in bonds. Um, I think last I looked, I want to say that investment-grade corporate bonds were – you know, paying maybe in the ballpark of two and a half to maybe three and a quarter percent. And and here's the thing. Uh, the Federal Reserve has made it very, very clear that they don't intend on increasing rates anytime soon. And, you know, three percent, let's call it, is a whole lot better than getting nothing in, you know, cash. But there's nowhere to go with that 3% um, because rates are not going to move up. And when rates do move up, I think a, a lot of people, particularly in bond funds, are going to be very surprised at just how volatile some sorts of bonds can be as rates rise. So, you know, there's there's very, very little money to be made in the bond market at this point in time. And the only major move at some point in the future when rates go up is bonds will lose value. Uh, and then there's the stock market. And and the thing about the stock market, if you just look at the S&P, it's not a question of if it's going to decline by 50%. It's just a question of when it's going to decline by 50%. But if you do a good job managing all the risks of, of a retirement portfolio, and that's primarily where we're focused, that should not bother you all that much because it's just a temporary decline. But ultimately... The stock market, to me, it looks like a pretty promising place to be based upon those two other asset classes. So that's kind of how we would frame it out for a client, uh, and that's what we're doing in our practice day to day. So what kind of asset allocation are you recommending? It's probably based on people's age, maybe in their younger years and middle years, retired years. Amongst those three assets, just roughly what kind of asset allocation yeah, are you so recommending? Yeah, so that, 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 that's... That, that's a very good question, Jordan, and I'm glad you asked it um, because at the end of the day, um, we, we deal with you know, soon-to-be retirees and retirees, and um, what we try to impress upon them more than anything else is that the only thing that really matters is the protection of purchasing power. And the only way, and this is just a fact, the only way we're going to protect purchasing power is being allocated and invested in stocks the right way, right? And that kind of goes back to strategy. And let's start with the things that we know are true, right? Uh, so we tend to have a, a pretty high exposure to the stock market with our client base, even though the average age of our client is probably 62 to 65 years of age. I would say if I had to break down our advisory business, we probably sit in the high 60 percentile in stock. 
Um, granted, we are prepared both emotionally for market downturns and we are prepared economically for those inevitable downturns. Um, but we tend to take a fairly high equity position because the the ultimate thing that we're, we're all playing for, that anybody in retirement is playing for, is the protection of purchasing power. Um, now, Marie, you did a book with Joe called Income for Life, The Retiree's Guide to Creating Income from Savings. Uh, this is a very difficult environment for people to get income without taking a lot of capital risk because, as he was saying, money markets are pretty much at zero and even long bonds are 2 to 3%. So what are some things you recommend for people who are retired who need to produce income off of their capital they built up? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. When, when your portfolio goes from the accumulation mode when you're saving money each and every month to the decumulation mode, how do you go and solve for that income challenge? I think we as the financial services industry have done a really good job helping people to save and invest through that accumulation phase, thanks to payroll deductions, to retirement plans, et cetera. But I don't think we've done a very good job helping people figure out how to create the income and get the money out properly so that they can create a growing stream of income that they can outlive. And many people, as Joe mentioned before, are unaware of the different risks that come online when you are in that decumulation mode. And they continue to focus on just market risk and to follow the conventional wisdom of de-risking your portfolio as you age, as you mentioned before, should your asset allocation be based on something age-wise? Um, we contend what, that what are what's some of the other risks? What are some of the other risks that they're not aware of that they, they should be aware of as they decumulate? Right, right. Um, we break it down into short-term risks, a straddle risk, and long-term risks. The two short-term risks, one I mentioned already, it's market risk. The other one is sequence of return or, we, as we call it, withdrawal risk. Those two are short-term, and we have a process in place that manages and mitigates those two risks. Um, the, uh, uh, the straddle risk is taxes. Both you have to manage taxes on an annual basis as well as on a long-term basis. And the two long-term risks are inflation, the price of goods and services continues to grow through time, and longevity. And longevity is not only that we're living longer than ever before, longevity also has a lot to do that later on in life, people tend to spend more and more money on health care. And healthcare tends to increase a lot more than inflation. So those are the five risks that are unique to a retiree once you go into that decumulation mode. We're, we're going to take a break and get into more of uh, how people invest for income, but we're going to take a break right now. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guests for this hour are Joseph DeSalvo and Marie Amateritz, uh, who are with Quest Capital and Risk Management based in Smithtown, New York. You can find out more at their website, which is questcapitalmanagement.com. We'll be back after this. The way we are working today uh, seems to have changed dramatically because of the pandemic. If there's one thing we've learned from adapting business, it's that you must have access to the right resources. It's crucial to have a strong digital presence like all the big companies do. So how can your business adapt to the unexpected and operate virtually? Well, one key is to find the right talent quickly and easily. Before Fiverr came along, 
it was time-consuming, frustrating, and expensive to find the best people capable of doing the jobs you needed done. Fiverr offers an online marketplace which connects businesses like yours with freelancers offering hundreds of digital services. That includes graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, voiceovers, and much more. I've used Fiverr several times and have been very pleased with the people it matched me with. I hired a photographer in New York who took pictures that I'm now using on my website. I found a web designer in Pakistan who designed a website that I launched. I located somebody in Massachusetts to do a voiceover for a campaign that I launched. It's really amazing what talent I found on Fiverr in all these areas. Fiverr's global network of on-demand freelance talent can help you if you're launching your first business to grow or to grow your existing business. They can help transform your business from a brick-and-mortar local operation into a digital global one. Fiverr makes it easy to customize your search by service, deadline, price, or seller reviews. You know exactly what you're paying for up front. No negotiating needed. You'll always pay by the project, not on an hourly basis. Fiverr offers 24-7 customer service to answer any questions you have about using the service. Their network of quality freelancers has worked with the most influential brands in the world, including Netflix, PayPal, and Microsoft. Their freelancers are ready when you are so they can accommodate the ebb and flow of your business. Check out Fiverr.com and receive 10% off your first order by using my code ANSWERS. Find all the digital services you need in one place at F-I-V-E-R-R.com, code ANSWERS. Again, that's F-I-V-E-R-R.com, code ANSWERS. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. 
My guests this hour are Joseph DeSalvo and Marie Madaritz of Quest Capital and Risk Management based in Smithtown, New York. Uh, they're uh, helping people with their personal financial issues. Uh, you can find out more at their website, questcapitalmanagement.com. Welcome back to the show, Joe and Marie. Thank you. So we have a new president coming in, uh, Joe Biden, in January. He is talking about various tax proposals. Uh, let's first of all talk about the individual side and then the corporate side. What do you think is, what are his proposals and what do you think might actually end up happening? Well, I think a lot of what may happen hinges on what happens in Georgia on January 4th or 5th, obviously. Um, so that makes doing any sort of planning with a new incoming administration a, a little a little difficult. Um, if, if what we think is going to happen in Georgia, in fact, happens and the Republicans maintain control of the Senate, I, I think it will be really, really difficult to get you know, the widespread tax change that the proposal has, you know, outlined. Uh, I think what you're more likely to get is you're likely to get tinkering around the edges. Um, and the things that would seem to me that would get traction um, if, if the Republicans maintain control of the Senate would be um, what happens for, for, for income tax rates themselves for individual taxpayers, particularly those in the 37% tax bracket. Um, and I would also think the other thing that can get some traction because it's come up numerous times in the past would be a change to how people go about deducting contributions to a retirement plan, such as a 401k or a 403b or an IRA. Um, I can see those things happening um, with a split government. Um, obviously, if the Republicans lose the Senate, uh, I think they'll have a two-year window similar to what President Trump had in his first two years. And I think you'll see lots more tax changes than um, just tinkering around the edges. Uh, One of the proposals that Biden had was to uh, eliminate the difference between capital gains rates currently uh, topped off at 20% and make those the same as income tax rates. Do you think that would happen and what would be the impact on people, uh, investments and the market if that would be no more capital gains differential? Yeah, under 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 a split government, I don't see that happening. Under a democratic control government, I can see that happening in today's world. Um, I don't like it, Jordan. I don't. Uh, first off, it it won't be for everybody. Uh, the way the proposal is written, it will be for people that are making more than a million dollars a year, and they would say capital gains are now going to be taxed as ordinary income, and it would be at 39.7% federal bracket plus your state, uh, if and where the state applies. Um, I don't like that. Um, those high-income earners break down into two types of people, in my experience. Um, there are professionals, you know, ourselves, attorneys, doctors, you know, professionals that provide services and advice for a living. Um and then the other 
type of person that that has that kind of income are are business people, entrepreneurs. And all of a sudden, in my opinion, if you tax capital gains the same way you tax ordinary income, you take away their incentives to invest in businesses and ideas and technologies um, because they, they've got money already. Uh, and if that happens, you know, and, and, and when they choose to make those investments um, with anticipation of, you know, a return on their investment and preferential tax treatment at the end of the day, when you take away that incentive, I mean, that, you know, creating businesses and technologies and, and stuff creates wealth for other people. Uh, so I don't like the idea of it, um, you know, at all. And, and but what it could happen. Impact, uh, what would be the impact on the stock market if, if there were no more capital gains differential for people with over a million? I'm not sure. I'm 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 not sure. Um, my 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 only reaction to that would be I, I would think that in the short term the market not would not like that. Um, because the market understands innovation and the market understands free markets. Um, and on some level, you're taking something away from it, in my opinion. But whether it would have a lasting impact on the stock market, uh, you know, uh, probably not. Um, but it, would, it, it certainly could throw it for a little bit of a loop in the short term. Yeah. I mean, is your view that with the deficits we're running these days and we're doing multi-trillion dollar stimulus plans that the government does need to raise revenue somehow, or do you think that's not, not something they should be doing? You know, it's interesting. I read, an, I read a, a white paper last night. It was above my pay grade. Um, you know, running deficits, my takeaway from reading the white paper is running deficits is fine to a point. But more to your question, I think your question was, you know, will taxes go up? Uh, I think that was baked in the cake prior to the CARES Act and all the stimulus in the form of PPP uh, that was thrown around over the last six months. And when I say thrown around, arguably the government had to hand out money. Uh, we've never seen, in our lifetimes at least, we've never seen a pandemic. And to my way of thinking, we've never shut down an economy altogether. Um, but I thought and we think that prior to any of that stimulus Rates had to go up. Rates are at an, a historical low. You've got to go back to the 20s in order to see income tax rates this low. And people say, well, how high could they go? In the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, you had, you had income tax rates somewhere between 50 and 90% up and down the income spectrum, depending upon who you were and what you were earning in America. So they could go a whole lot higher. Um, I think you combine that. Yeah, so I, I think they're headed up. I think I think the tax rates we got now are a deal, and, and there are things that people should be thinking about to leverage that. Let's just talk for a moment about estate tax. And, Marie, there's a possibility of a decrease in the tax exemption uh, for uh, estate taxes and also potentially repealing the stepped-up basis. So when somebody dies, the basis of those stocks moves up to the current market price on the date of death. What would, what would be the impact of both of those on estate planning if those were imp implemented? Yeah, that's an interesting one, and it's one that they've tried to implement many times before in the past, but I'm going to pass it off to Joe for the particulars on that one. Yeah, so, so Jordan, okay. you know, it's, it's obviously a big issue out there, um, and so let's start with the estate tax first, and then we'll deal with the step-up in basis because while they are – 
similar issues. They are different. They they deserve a di- you know they deserve their separate answers. So on the estate tax side. You know, right now, I think the federal exemption is 11.4 million per person. Uh, so it's 22, almost 23 million for a married couple. Obviously, there's not a lot in percentage terms. There's not a lot of people that that affects at the federal level. Now, state estate tax is a different issue that we'll kind of bring back in in a second. Um, what they're talking about in the proposal um, would be that basically have those federal exemptions. So it would go from, let's say, 11 million a person down to about five and a half million a person. Um, So that would be 11 million for a married couple, 5.5 million for an individual person. Well, all of a sudden, the first thing that happens is there's a lot more people still as a percentage of the population it's not that many people, but there's a lot more people that are going to be subject to the federal estate tax. And that is certainly a way of raising revenue to pay for some of the things that we need to pay for and to address issues with Social Security and Medicare, which are starting to kind of move front and center. Um, I can see that happening. Um, You know, when I first started out, back way back when uh, and even into the 90s you know you had an estate tax exemption of 650,000 so they're pretty high even on an inflation adjusted basis when you go back 15 or 20 years so I could see that happening Um, people won't necessarily like it but it is a good source for them to raise to to raise revenue Um, I, I think it complicates things I think where people don't pay attention um, and certainly in New York, they don't pay attention. Is the is the state estate tax exemptions, and every state is different. But New York's got a funky law where they'll give you an exemption of five, but if you go a dollar over five, they're going to basically tax every dollar in that estate. They don't give you the full exemption of five. It's called a a cliff state. Um, you've got states well, like Massachusetts that got a million dollar exemption, and so falling federal exemptions combined with tough state estate tax exemptions set a lot of people up to pay not only a state tax, but where people hold their wealth is in pre-tax retirement accounts, 401ks, IRAs. That stuff, if not planned for, is not only subject to a state tax, but can also get caught up in income tax issues at death as well. So it's a big deal to pay attention to if it actually happens. Um, and it's supposed to happen come 2026 regardless because that's how the current law, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, was written. It expires. Right. Yeah, it expires. It sunsets. Okay, we're yeah. Gonna, we're going yes. to have to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guests this hour are Joe DeSalvo and Marie uh, Madaritz, uh, who are with Quest Capital and Risk Management, financial planners and uh, asset allocators. You can find out more at their website, Quest Capital Management. We'll be back after this. Wish you were in early on some of the best-performing IPOs of 2019 and 2020. With our crowd, accredited investors have access to invest directly, easily, and most important, early. Our crowd investors have benefited from our crowd companies going IPO, like Beyond Meat, or being bought by companies like Intel, Nike, Microsoft, and Oracle. Our crowd's investment professionals leverage their extensive network to review some of the most promising private companies and startups around the world. Their in-depth due diligence includes meeting with management teams 
and generally comprehensive vetting of deals they decide to make part of their own portfolio. Once our crowd has selected a deal, they offer accredited investors the opportunity to invest alongside them with the same terms. If you're an accredited investor, you can join our crowd for free at OURCROW.com slash answers and review the current deals. No payment is involved until you decide to participate in a deal. As we review deals, you have access to our crowd's investor relations team. We can talk to you directly on the phone about your personal investment goals. The investment professionals at our crowd have already reviewed thousands of companies, invested hundreds of millions of dollars, closed investments in over 200 companies, and chosen dozens of companies that have made exits. Accredited investors can participate in a single company deal for as little as $10,000 or one of our crowd's funds for as little as $50,000. Today, you can join our crowd's investment in Rewire. Rewire's digital banking services are specifically tailored for international workers to both send money home to their own country of origin and bank in their country of residence. Rewire reports rapid year-over-year and month-over-month growth in the trillion-dollar global financial services market for international and migrant workers. You can get an early on Rewire and other unique opportunities at ourcrowd.com slash answers. If you're interested in investing, you need to join our crowd. The R Crowd account is free, so just go to OURCROW.com slash answers. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll free 866 472 5790. 866 472 5790. Voice America Business Network. or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guests this hour are Joe DeSalvo and Marie Mataritz, who are with Quest Capital Management at questcapitalmanagement.com. Welcome back to the show, both of you. 
Thank you. Thank so you. here we are at the end of the year. Let's do some year-end tax planning. The first thing is the SECURE Act. Why don't you talk about how people should plan around the SECURE Act now that it's in effect? Well, I don't know if it's a if it's a year end issue per se, uh, but it's certainly something that people should be paying attention to. Um, you know, the Secure Act was out there in in a big way in 2019, and it looked like it was going to die. Uh, and then at the end of the year last year. Uh, what happened, I guess, as part of a budget deal or to keep the government open, I can't remember what it was, in late December, the SECURE Act suddenly reappeared and became law on January 1st. No sooner did that happen, um, you know, COVID came and the SECURE Act's been kind of lost in, you know, all of that uncertainty that we've been dealing with. But uh, Jordan, it is a major piece of retirement planning legislation that affects everybody that has an IRA. Uh, and, and really, I think what it means to the consumer, uh, and this is anybody, again, that has an IRA, is that you've got to kind of go back to your estate and your retirement plans, and you've got to make sure that you're leveraging, that you're avoiding the pitfalls and leveraging the opportunities that the SECURE Act brings along. Uh, and, and ultimately, for the people that do that, they're going to put themselves in a better position. Um, so nothing necessarily to do for the year end, but if I were to kind of say these are the two things that you should absolutely do as a result of the SECURE Act, the first thing I would do is I would locate the beneficiary form. Um, <clears throat> what people don't understand is just how important that form is, and most of the times people have no idea where it is located, number one. Number two, in the case of employer-sponsored plans, they really have no idea how the document will work in conjunction with their wishes from both what happens when I die and how are things going to be taxed. Uh, and then the third thing I would honestly do is we are going to uh, have a webinar in the, in the first quarter of next year. Uh, I think the title of it's going to be Secure Your IRA from the New Death Tax, and it will be a consumer-facing webinar um, that is based upon stuff that we've done for the New York State Society of CPAs and some large law firms so that it helps the consumer to understand what they need to do in order to effectively plan for the SECURE Act. Just briefly tell us, what is this new death tax as part of the SECURE Act that people should know about? So, yeah, and, and, and by the way, that, that death tax is not my phrase. I, I, I ripped that off and developed it from a bright guy in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, a guy named James Lang. But it was the way he explained it that said, you know, I, I, I like that. It's got some, it's got some teeth. And, and really, he calls it the new death tax because on some level it is, right? And, you know, for decades, the government basically said, you know, put money into those pre-tax retirement plans. We'll give you a tax deduction. It'll grow tax deferred. We're going to force you to take it out at some point in time. And yes, you're going to pay income tax on it. Now, the first thing that the consumer really fails to realize is they think they're going to take it out during their lifetime and they're going to be in a lower bracket. That's true for some people, but for people that have really done a good job saving over the course of their career, they're not going to be in a lower tax bracket. We see equivalent, if not higher brackets when you factor in the phantom taxes that kind of get involved in retirement. And then it used to be prior to the SECURE Act that once they died in the case of a non-spouse beneficiary, 
that those kids could, because in most cases it's the kids, those kids could take a choice, take the money all in one shot and, you know, pay the tax on it. Or you can continue the deferral of that money upwards of decades more. So, yes, the money was still going to be taxed. But, boy, you could take modest IRAs with smart beneficiaries and you could parlay that into a serious amount of money. Now, with the SECURE Act, they're basically saying that in the case of a non-spouse beneficiary, all of the money has to come out of the IRA within a 10-year period of time. Now, think about that for a second. When most, because I'll tell you how this goes down, when most people inherit that IRA from mom and dad, because again, we're talking about non-spouses that come under that 10-year rule by and large, when most of them inherit that IRA, they're in their peak earning years. So, you know, if they're not getting some good advice, it's going to be really easy to overpay in taxes on that money, subjecting it in today's world. And again, remember, this is a very low rate world. But in New York, I guess it could be subjected as high as what's 37 plus call it 8 percent, 46 percent. And that's in today's world. Uh, We see tax rates go up. It's going to be even more than that. So upwards of half of your money can be taxed. So it's it's a major game changer late in the fourth quarter, right? And so that's why we refer to it as the new death tax. Okay. Another area I want to talk about is partial Roth conversions. You wrote a white paper about this recently saying you can generate a lot of tax savings up to 25% if you do this right. Just briefly describe why people should talk about partial Roth conversions. Yeah, like Joe mentioned before, right now with the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, we have an opportunity to do some really good tax planning now, as these rates will expire by law on December 31st of 2025, if not before. So right now, you take a 12% bracket. When they sunset, that will become a 15% bracket. And what most people think is that it's a 3% difference. But actually, the difference between paying tax at 12% and paying tax at 15%, it's a full 25% increase. So what should people do about it now? Anticipating that rates will go up, what should they do about it now? Right. This is where doing partial Roth conversions correctly will enhance your wealth by paying taxes at historically low rates and avoiding the higher tax rates of the future. And Ed Slato says moving money from forever taxed to never taxed. And partial Roth conversions, the definition is strategically timing withdrawals from your IRA to pay the least amount of tax possible. And the caveat I want to give here after the SECURE Act, when you do a partial Roth conversions, you can no longer recharacterize them. They are permanent. And when you do a partial Roth conversions, the taxes do now. So anything that's regulated by the government, like these pre-tax retirement accounts, there's the devil is in the details. So make sure you understand how to do these correctly and get some professional help with it. Another thing at this time of year is what's called tax loss harvesting, where you uh, sell things you have a loss to offset gains. You think that's often misunderstood. How should people do tax loss harvesting? And this year, people may not have a lot of losses because the stock market's done so well. Well, it's interesting, Jordan. There's usually always opportunities to do tax loss harvesting. Um, you know, we address this in in one of our workshops, and we have a slide that shows the S and P in the year 2017. And I forget the exact 
return on the S&P that year, but it was almost 22% for the year. But in that same year, there were any number, I, I want to say that the, the number out of the 500 stocks in the S&P, 190 actually lost value that year. So tax loss harvesting is just kind of going in and very strategically selling those losers in order to offset capital gains that you're going to pay in the future. You can offset income. It's a pretty limited benefit, uh, and, and it certainly helps, and you're limited to $3,000 a year. But what we see is, we, so we, we had a situation this year where a client called us. We had been effectively tax loss harvesting for several years, um, and even though their portfolio had you know, very respectable returns over that several year period, we still harvested probably about $75,000 in losses. They needed to get a car early next year. And so we said, okay, where are we going to get that money from? And we looked at the non-qualified money, meaning the non-retirement account money. And we said, okay, hey, we can realize gains of up to $75,000 and not pay any capital gains tax whatsoever on that. So we entirely avoided that 15% tax at the federal level. Um, I think it's misunderstood because when people hear tax loss harvesting, they think they're investing to lose money. No, you're investing to make money over time. Um, so they misunderstand it and then they mis-execute it. Uh, they, don't, they don't structure the products the right way in order to take full advantage of A, tax loss harvesting, and you go back to step up in basis, they also fail to take advantage of that because they don't structure the products the right way. And by doing that, they're missing two of the best statutory tax shelters that are out there for middle income right up to very wealthy people. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guests this hour are Joe DeSalvo and Marie Madaret. Madaretz, uh, with Quest Capital Management. You can find out more at their website, questcapitalmanagement.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guests this hour are Joe DeSalvo and Marie Madaritz with Quest Capital Management. They've actually done a book called Income for Life. 
The Retiree's Guide to Creating Income from Savings. There's a website related to that book, which is IncomeForLifeBook.com. Welcome back to both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. There's something called a qualified charitable distribution. And why is that a better way to give money to charities than just giving them cash? Right. QCDs, we call them, Qualified Charitable Distributions. What are they? Well, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017 made QCDs more valuable than ever. A QCD is a tax-favored way to make charitable gifts directly from your IRA to the charity while gaining tax benefits that might not otherwise be available. Because right now, if you give to charity, it's likely your gift will not receive a tax benefit because most people now are claiming the standard deduction. So the tax deduction is lost. And even if you do itemize, the QCD still provides a better tax benefit. Um, The QCD is an exclusion from income, not a tax deduction, which is better because it lowers your adjusted gross income. And your adjusted gross income is a key number that determines how much of your Social Security benefit is going to be taxed if you hit Medicare surcharges. So generally, the lower your AGI, the lower your overall tax bill. And the QCDs are win-win to charities and to donors. So who qualifies? Um, In order to do a QCD, you have to be an IRA owner or a beneficiary of an IRA who is age 70.5 or older. And that's a really unique number. You literally, it's not the year you turn 70 and a half. It's the actual age. You have to have been 70 and a half or older. And that's, it's, it's a crazy number because the SECURE Act changed RMDs, which used to be the year you turned 70 and a half to 72, but they left QCDs at 70.5. And what you can do is you can move the money from your IRA directly to that charity and get that deduction. It's a $100,000 limit per person per IRA a year. And any charity that can receive tax-deductible donations, like um, mostly 501c3 organizations, can work for a QCD. And when it really works is if you're charitably inclined and you're taking required minimum distributions, and the money has to come out anyway, make that donation through a QCD. Just know it has to be the first money out of your IRA in order to qualify. In general, as you say, I think it's 80 to 90% of people now are going to take the standard deduction and not take itemized deductions of any kind. How should that change their tax planning if you're not going to get deductions for charitable contributions, for mortgage interest, for state and local taxes, all the things people are used to have gone away. How should that change your tax planning? I'm not sure I quite understand the question, Jordan. Maybe could you try to ask it again? Well, I mean, it, before, people were expecting and were getting deductions for yep. all these things, and now they're not because they're doing standard deductions. So that means you shouldn't contribute to charity or you shouldn't worry about your property taxes. I mean, a major deduction that people used to get is irrelevant now because they're doing the standard deduction. It seems that would change your tax planning. Well, it has, obviously. It, 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 it certainly has. You know, I don't think there's much you can do about it. The law is really the law, but the things that really kind of come top of mind to me, uh, we, we've kind of touched on already. I mean, you know, to me, the, you know, 
for us, we try to encourage people, you really start lifetime tax planning somewhere in your mid-50s, right? And so there's lots of things we could say well beyond the scope of the few minutes that we have left here today. But the things that come immediately to mind for me are really understanding exactly what tax loss harvesting is and what the benefits are behind it and then understanding how to execute it, that could be a very, very powerful tax planning technique that benefits the taxpayer. Combine that with knowing how to play the step up in basis game um, and that also becomes a very powerful multi-generation. And this is for, you know, ordinary people and wealthy people as well. That becomes another very impactful tax planning strategy. But I still say right here and right now, um, all things being equal for anybody up for, for, for up to the top of the 24% tax bracket, Jordan, and I can give you those numbers, I can pull them up in a second. Partial Roth conversions are one of the most impactful, no, not one, they are the most impactful tax planning technique for a soon-to-be retiree or retiree. It will reduce your income taxes in the future. It will reduce Medicare. It will make it better because of the SECURE Act. It goes on and on. And up to the 24% bracket, there are significant savings guaranteed by the law. Um, So, And people are just not wrapping their heads around this as quickly as I think that they should. Yeah. Now, we've had, obviously, the COVID-19 pandemic this year, and a lot of people have been forced into retirement because their jobs have disappeared or they're, they're sick or various other things. What are some things people should think about from a financial planning point of view if they've had to retire earlier than they thought because of COVID-19? Right. First of all, if that's happened to anyone listening right now, I'm sorry. The transition into retirement is one of the biggest transitions we will make. And having it suddenly thrust upon you will be very unsettling for most people. But before you do anything or make any decisions, we always say assess where you are right now. And then you can make informed decisions going forward. And we always talk about three numbers. And they sound simple, but they're really the basis for any decision making or planning going forward. The first number people should really think about is what is their life cost? on a monthly and annual basis. And it's surprising how many people don't really wrap, have their head wrapped around that number. And break it down a little bit further into your needs and your wants. And then think about how will that number need to grow? Let's say you decide, all right, you need $85,000 to support your lifestyle. How is that gonna need to grow in five years and 10 years to keep pace and to be able to pay your rising property taxes, to buy groceries, to heat your home. And then think about, all right, a lot of this generation, we've saved a bulk of our wealth in these pre-tax retirement accounts. What does that withdrawal actually look like when you account for taxes? So that $85,000, if you're withdrawing that to supplement other forms of income from a pre-tax retirement account and you withhold 20% for taxes, you're actually withdrawing a little over 106000 each year. So once you get your arms wrapped around these three numbers, you can do some planning that is um, very dollar specific and you can figure out have you saved enough? Do you need to go back to work? Do you need some way to supplement your income? 
You can also figure out, we talked earlier about those five risks, and one of the way we manage them is we have a bucket one where we say put anywhere from one to three years of planned cash flow into bucket one and something very liquid, very conservative. Once you have those numbers, you could start thinking, all right, what do I need into a bucket one so that my paycheck in retirement is consistent? And going forward, it can help you make social security claiming decisions. So that one, this one exercise, figuring out your three numbers, I think is a great place for people to start. In about two minutes we have left, Joe, why don't you kind of summarize the difference it'll make in people's financial lives to take some of the advice we've talked about, qualified charitable distributions, about the uh, Roth partial conversions, uh, tax loss harvesting, all these things we've talked about. What kind of an overall difference will it make in people's financial lives? Well, uh, well, Jordan, I'm going to say that's a great question, Jordan. I like that question. I do. Thank you for that. Um, I think two things. I think ultimately what good financial planning does for the consumer is it creates a sense of confidence, uh, or I should say it creates a sense of clarity first that leads to confidence. And um, I've not personally retired, but I have definitely counseled dozens and dozens of people through the transition. And I could tell you that if you can give them or you can help them get clarity and confidence around arguably the biggest financial transition and period of their life, uh, that is worth gold to people. It really is. So um, that's the first thing I would say. I think all of what we said today is very relevant. And I think the confusing thing, and there's no way around it. I mean, you got, honestly, you got good qualified answers here today. But the confusing thing is we talked about a lot of different things and they're all important, but you've got to put all this stuff into the right context for yourself. You really do. Um, and, and I don't want to sound self-serving, but this is a this is a call to action, right? If these ideas resonate with you, find us or find somebody that's qualified to help you to start to kind of think through what applies to you, how impactful can it be, how does it work, you know, what are the pros, what are the cons, that's the way you want to go about doing it. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guests this hour have been Joe DeSalvo and Marie Madaritz of Quest Capital Management. They've got a book out called Income for Life, The Retiree's Guide to Creating Income from Savings. You can find out more about that and what they offer at IncomeForLifeBook.com. Thanks so much. I think we've learned a lot this last hour, Marie and Joe. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you both. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.